Are you the widow Wren? Amelia Wren. And who might you be? James Glacier. I'm a meteorologist. Meteorology comes to the big screen. The possibility of weather prediction could save lives. We are scientists, not fortune tellers. We hear about how they made the movie. We managed to get somebody at 3,000 feet over Oxfordshire. And the do-or-die scientist behind the story. An absolute maverick, and he was very lucky to reach old age. You're listening to Weathersnap from the Met Office. Five, four, three, two... And so it begins. Hello, it's Thursday, the 31st of October. I'm Alex Deakin. Welcome to a special edition of Weathersnap. Next week sees the launch of a new film about the life of Victorian scientist James Glacier. Aeronauts, starring Eddie Redmayne and Felicity Jones, tells the story of a maverick, record-breaking meteorologist prepared to risk everything in the pursuit of scientific knowledge. But who was Glacier and what part did he play in the development of modern weather forecasting? Catherine Ross is archivist here at the Met Office. Glacier was one of the great minds of his time. He lived in the early 1800s. He died in 1903 and he was responsible for many of the key early discoveries that helped us to form the science of meteorology today. He was in many ways a typical Victorian, disciplined, precise, very methodical in his science. But in other ways, he was an absolute maverick and he was very lucky to reach old age. It's that maverick streak that led Glacier to hit on the idea of exploring the atmosphere using the latest transport phenomenon. Ballooning was a craze in the Victorian period. It was incredibly fashionable. And Glacier had watched balloon flights and was actually very interested in them. And so when the British Association decided to create a ballooning committee, he was very keen to be a part of it. And later on, when they started to think about actually launching balloon flights to investigate the upper atmosphere, they volunteered him for the part. He was 53 by that point, but he was very much up for the challenge. The weather can be predicted. I need you and your balloon to help me. Glacier's ballooning exploits form the main theme of the aeronauts' movie. The challenge of recreating those epic voyages fell to balloon expert and aerial coordinator Colin Prescott. My role in this film production was really just to gather together all the aerial activity. That involved having a real balloon made, some various rigs for the studio and helicopters for filming. The design of the balloon was really a question of taking a look back at the history books and seeing what Glacier really flew in in 1850s to 1860s. It was in those days a rubberized fabric which was filled with coal gas. To measure conditions high in the atmosphere, Glacier fastened meteorological instruments to the balloon and enlisted the help of seasoned aeronaut Henry Coxwell. In the movie, Coxwell's role in the story is played by Felicity Jones. James, if you won't listen to me, listen to that. Wait, not one of my readings suggested a storm. Well, that's what it is. And we're inside a cumulus, which is precisely where we shouldn't be. Glacier carried out 28 balloon ascents between 1862 and 1866. The most famous, on the 5th of September 1862, set a new world record. His observations diary for that day came to an abrupt end at 29,000 feet. Catherine Ross again. 
the balloon carried on up for another at least 7,000 feet. It's thought that he reached around about 36,000 feet, bearing in mind that jet aircraft cruise between 30 and 40,000 feet. That's incredibly high to go and survive without oxygen. The lack of oxygen encountered by Glacier and Coxwell is due to changes in air pressure. Colin Prescott. The pressure in the air, the partial pressure between nitrogen and oxygen alters. Although there's just as much oxygen the higher you go, the pressure differential becomes much less, so it's much harder to get oxygen into your lungs. And this can cause hypoxia, which they knew nothing about in 1862. And uh, you just basically fall asleep. The balloon had been corkscrewing all the way up from the ground. And by this point, one of the valves that controls the balloon had actually become tangled. So his pilot, Henry Coxwell, had to climb into the ring of the balloon at 30,000 feet or so to release the valve. That dramatic moment makes for a nail-biting scene in the Aeronauts movie. And filming required real actors performing at real altitude. Climbing up the side of a balloon is perfectly feasible. And I explained that to the director of the film at a very early stage when we came up with a central stunt for the film. We actually managed to get somebody at 3,000 feet over Oxfordshire to perform the central stunt by climbing all the way up the netting to the top of the balloon and down again several times. In real life, Glacier and Coxwell managed to regain control of their balloon, but only thanks to the timely actions of Coxwell. By the time he was up there, he was in piercing cold, his hands froze. The only way he could get back into the balloon was by putting his arms on the ring and dropping back into the balloon, at which point he discovered the unconscious Glacier. And he then realised they needed to get back down as quickly as possible, so he had to pull on the string to release the gas from the valve and release the gas from the balloon. Only problem was, his hands were frozen. He finished up having to do it with his teeth, would you believe? Glaciers was unconscious for around about 30 minutes. They also descended incredibly quickly through the atmosphere, which should have had significant implications. But actually, after the balloon came to rest, he had to walk eight miles to the nearest form of transport, which means he obviously didn't suffer any ill effects. In the history of exploration, Glacier's name is largely unknown, but his dedication and ballooning adventures have certainly earned him a place in the history of meteorology. Glacier was a remarkable academic. He was a meteorologist. He wasn't a balloonist, but he was a brave man to get in one. It was the first time anybody had even realised that there were different layers in the atmosphere. He is recognised as you know, the discoverer of the stratosphere, uh, you know, pioneer of upper air research, but his name isn't known to the public, uh, and it should be. And you can see Eddie Redmayne and Felicity Jones take to the skies when Aeronauts opens in cinemas on November the 4th. Now, with details of the weather for the next few days, here's thoroughly modern meteorologist Helen Roberts. Thanks very much, Alex. Well, this meteorologist has some not great news, unfortunately. Uh, we're in rather an unsettled spell of weather over the coming days and through the weekend. Friday sees a band of rain moving northeastwards across the UK to be followed by another rain band moving in from the southwest through Friday afternoon and evening. This will also move northeastwards across the country, so all of us will see some rain on Friday with breezy conditions in both the northeast and in the south.
Into the weekend and Saturday we'll see some wet and windy weather in both the north and the south, with a central swathe of the UK seeing the best of any drier weather. But for all of us, it will be a cloudy day, and where we have the rain and the strong winds, there could well be some disruption to bonfire and fireworks events. Sunday will remain unsettled with low pressure in charge so there will be showers around but also some drier and perhaps brighter weather too so for Sunday looking like the best day of the weekend but still far from ideal conditions for bonfire celebrations and it remains then changeable into the start of next week as well. Thanks Helen. As we've heard our understanding of the upper atmosphere began with manned flights in the 19th century. These days, however, atmospheric observations are gathered using remote electronic sensors. To find out more, Aidan McGiven spoke to senior operational meteorologist David Edwards. David, what's this in front of us? It looks like a mobile phone from the 1980s. This is the latest model of radiosonde that the Met Office uses to take observations of the upper air. It looks significantly different compared to the instrumentation bench that James Glacier took with him up in the balloon, doesn't it? Yes, I mean, it's much smaller and lighter for a, for a start. It only weighs about 100 grams, which means they can go up significantly higher even than Glacier did. Now it's a white box, and then coming out of the white box is a chip. This is the, uh, the sensor boom, and mounted on that are a temperature and relative humidity sensor that take measurements of the atmosphere, and inside it also is a high-precision GPS position chip. And that allows us to measure pressure, uh, wind speed and direction, and also altitude. The wand at the top with the string attached to it is where it's mounted to an unwinder which unwinds 50 metres of string and that is then attached to a parachute to make the radiosonde's descent safe and above that is the balloon that will carry the radiosonde into the air. So together it's known as a weather balloon. Tell me about the balloon itself. What are they made of? How are they launched? The balloons that we use are made of latex rubber. Balloons themselves, when they're launched, are normally about a metre across, but by the time they burst, they're about the size of a double-decker bus. It feels really light, and that allows them to travel huge distances in the atmosphere, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, so these ones routinely can travel up to about 120,000 feet or uh, about 38,000 metres, and they can travel hundreds of kilometres transmitting data back down to the ground. And of course it means we don't need to risk people's lives anymore. How often are these sent up? Most sites in the UK launch these once or twice a day. Internationally, there are thousands sent up every day, but they're very expensive, so we don't have as many of them as we used to have. Expensive, but vital for meteorology, for weather forecasting, for scientific data. Yes, they, they form an anchor observation that we can use to calibrate our satellite observations and also to compare against our weather forecasting models to see whether or not they're accurate and to initiate them, to start the models running. Now, obviously, James Glacier risked his life to measure the atmosphere above us for the first time. We routinely do it every day. How vital are the measurements that this sends back? It's very vital. We talked before about the operational reasons for using them, but also they're very important to measure the climate of the atmosphere, how things have changed over time. David, thank you. Time for the week's highs and lows. Here with the details, Craig Snell. Here are your weekly extremes from Monday the 21st of October to Sunday the 27th of October. The highest maximum temperature occurred last Saturday when Fritterdon in Kent recorded a temperature of 19.2 Celsius. 
The coldest night was at Tuddock Bridge in Highlands of Scotland with a minima during the early hours of Monday morning of minus 5.5 Celsius. The highest daily rainfall was recorded on Saturday the 27th of October at Libanus in South Paris with 70mm of rain falling here. And the sunniest day was last Sunday with Waddington in Lincolnshire, Leckenfield in East Widings of Yorkshire, Shawbury in Shropshire and Wellsbourne in Warwickshire all reaching 8.9 hours of sunshine. Thanks Craig. That's it for Weather Snap. I'm Alex Deakin and producer this week was Adrian Holloway. To end the show, let's finish with a few words from those intrepid aeronauts. But you don't change the world simply by looking at it. Prove them wrong, Jones. You change it by living in it. Together, we brought the stars closer. Weather Snap is a podcast by the UK Met Office.